Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Empowered Birth Podcast. I am so excited to share my guest with you today. I had Jamie Ratchie on the show. She is amazing, and we just had the greatest conversation. She's a fellow podcaster and hormone genius, so we talk about postpartum time, and postpartum really is a time that a lot of women aren't talking about, or if they are They're talking about a lot of the hard and maybe not as much of the solutions that are out there. And so this episode today is really going to focus in on how to plan for, advocate for your best postpartum. I just learned so much and this episode is a must share. So for those of you, a little message, if you are a Patreon supporter, I just want to say thank you. It's because of you that this episode was able to go live today and I could not do it without you. So if you benefited from this podcast or a regular listener and it's on your heart to be a monthly donor, would you consider being a podcast supporter by going to patreon.com slash empowered birth podcast? The donor amounts start at $3 per month. All right, guys, let's get into the show. Welcome to the Empowered Birth Podcast. I'm Allie McLean, registered nurse, home birth doula, and former feminist. My mission is to guide you into the freedom that is God's design for femininity, birth, and motherhood. There's a movement happening of powerful women uniting around finding out God's best for us. You're going to find information here that you won't find in your basic childbirth education class. You'll hear stories of women and birth professionals who are experiencing the redeeming experience that birth can be. You're going to get all the information you need to confidently navigate your way from pregnancy to postpartum and beyond. Are you ready to go on a Holy Spirit empowered adventure? Then stick around, you're exactly where you should be. Hi, Jamie. Thank you for coming on the show today. I'm so excited about the topic that we're going to be talking about and just having a conversation about because I think it's something that a lot of women know about, but don't really know how to have a conversation about or where to go to get the information. So I'm really excited to have you on this show. But first off, would you just introduce who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Yeah, Allie, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Yes. So Uh, Jamie Rachi, I'm from Iowa. I'm a podcaster, so I co-host the Hormone Genius podcast. We started that August of 2020, which is hard to believe that it's been that long so far already. I'm a fertility care practitioner, um, so I teach the Creighton Method. I have my own business called Fiat Living, and I just or am launching the Hormone School, um, where I can teach other women to teach others about hormones. So very passionate about all of that, all about, you know, the feminine genius and the hormone genius. I have a husband, I have four kiddos, uh, ranging in age from one to nine. And I just am very passionate about women's health. So I'm very excited and honored and pleased, Allie, that you would have me on your podcast today. Yes, it's going to be so good. So today we're going to be talking a little bit more about Hormones in the postpartum period. I think we were just kind of talking about before hormones are the 
kind of they're a mystery to a lot of us and we don't really know what is healthy what's not where to go to get information there's information everywhere but it just kind of seems like a big mystery so I hope that we are able to clear up some things today especially in the postpartum period because on the show here we've talked about hormones during labor and how it's so fascinating how our body produces certain hormones to labor well and it's truly a miracle And I just, it just goes back to the design that God had. He set it up so well so that we can birth. And I know postpartum is the same, but how can we best support ourselves in that postpartum period and kind of learn more about our bodies in that way? So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. And, but first to start out, can you go a little bit more into what is the Creighton method? And is that something where you can start right after you have a baby or what does that look like postpartum tracking your symptoms? Yeah, 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 totally. And uh, I might even go one level bigger picture. If your listeners aren't super aware of fertility awareness, systems. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Yeah, no, go for it. I think it would be helpful to go a little bit more in depth. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So there are natural systems to help us understand our, about our fertility, the phases of fertility, phases of infertility. And then also when we chart our cycle, and I'll tell you a little bit about what that means in a minute, it also helps us, uh, gives us an understanding and gives us data about our hormonal health. And so we call it like a fifth vital sign of health. So there are various methods and depending on your age and your stage and just your personality and just your temperament, some systems may suit you better than others. So I am trained in the Creighton method. The Creighton method is an ovulation only method or a, or a cervical mucus only method. Basically you're looking at your cervical mucus, cervical mucus rises as estrogen rises and estrogen rises right before you ovulate. So really you're identifying that biomarker to help you understand when ovulation is coming, but being postpartum, someone might wonder, well, how does that happen? Because if I just had a baby and I'm breastfeeding, which is one of the things I'll talk about here in, you know, in terms of hormones as we get rolling, but that makes a difference in terms of you know, your relationship with your fertility cycle, because if you don't have a fertility cycle, you're breastfeeding exclusively. And maybe you've had children in the past and your cycle doesn't come back, you know, until you're six months postpartum a year or longer, then it it can be a very confusing, frustrating time to chart your cycle. So there are different systems I would recommend based on that alone. And then for women who choose not to breastfeed or can't breastfeed, it is likely that their cycle would come back very quickly after giving birth. And in that case, there are systems that I would recommend. So just again, kind of overview, and then we can dig in more, Allie, if you have more specific like probing questions on this, but um, the Creighton method, like I said, is ovulation only method. So it is suitable for women who are postpartum, but I would say if you were going to learn that system for the first time, right after you have a baby, it would be very difficult because you're noticing cervical mucus. And like I said, that's a sign of estrogen. And if you don't have that high estrogen, you're not going to notice that cervical mucus. So I wouldn't necessarily start with creatine postpartum. I might look at FEM or I might look at Marquette. So there's a lot of different systems out there. There are systems where you check your temperature. 
There are systems where you check your cervix. There are our systems where you pee on a stick. And that would be the one that I would recommend for um, postpartum women. Marquette method uses a clear blue monitor and it gives you information about your luteinizing hormone, which rises before you ovulate. So you're peeing on a stick and you're getting kind of the, I don't want to say the warning, but like the data, the data that ovulation may be coming soon. So postpartum breastfeeding, you likely will be pee on hundreds of sticks. So it can be expensive without having an LH luteinizing hormone surge. But if you are very set on being on a natural system, which I love, then that is a good one. If you charted with Creighton before, then that's totally cool. Like I charted with Creighton postpartum with no problem whatsoever, but I knew the system even, you know, not just because I teach it, but women who chart with Creighton, it's a great system to use postpartum. But again, I wouldn't say that would be the first step in learning Creighton just right after having a baby. That is so incredibly helpful because it can be so overwhelming. There's so many systems out there, like you were saying, and yeah, so that cleared up a lot. Thank you for that. Where would a woman go if she's like, wow, I know I want to do natural. I know I don't want to do birth control. Where would they go to learn this? When is the best time to start learning? Do you have resources or information about that at all? Mm -hmm. Yep. So if someone, well, if someone's already charting with Creighton, then I would make sure you're staying connected with your Creighton practitioner. So I was going to give you the website fertilitycare.org is where you would find a Creighton practitioner. But I just did end up saying just now that that might not be a good place to start. So managingyourfertility.com. I really like that website. It gives an overview of all the systems and basically it directly connects you to the websites of these various systems. So the one that I recommend in the postpartum phase, and it's gaining more and more popularity. It's a newer method within the last 10 years, maybe 15 years. But anyway, Marquette method is one I would, would recommend. FEM also uses an LH surge stick plus, you know, your cervical fluid and all that. So FEM, F-E-M-M is another one. But again, Marquette just seems to be one that's picking up. And a nurse, you have to be a nurse to get trained. So you kind of have more of that piece about, you know, just that higher level of understanding, not to say that the others, because I'm not a nurse and I feel like I'm qualified but it just gives that extra layer of peace. Yeah, totally. Wow. That's really neat. What a good resource. So you know that a woman who has just gone through nine, 10 months of pregnancy, went through labor, you know, that fourth trimester of postpartum, it's really rough on a body. And so that recovery time can, you know, just feel very overwhelming. What are some things to maybe keep an eye out for to know, okay, my hormones might be a little dysregulated at the moment. And what are kind of those like signs and when should a woman know, okay, I probably should get some help somewhere and reach out to somebody. What, what are kind of those signs that we can look for? Oh, I love this question because it's such an important question, Allie. Oh my word. I just had a baby a year ago, just had a baby, but I did. So her birthday is actually in two days. Oh, yay. Happy birthday. (laughs) Her name is Miriam. She's so sweet. It wasn't that long ago, you know, that I had given birth to Miriam, but I'm going to share a story. And the story is my story of my first postpartum time. And I think it'll walk you through the answer to that question. And I hope many women who are listening will be able to relate to this. So when I was pregnant with my first, of course, like listeners, 
if you've had a baby, you can really relate to this. Or if you're preparing for the delivery of your first child, this is just really important to know. But of course, like first pregnancy, I didn't really know anything. I mean, how could I, how could we, we can mentally prepare. I took Bradley. I was really excited and really, you know, pumped up that I would have this dream delivery. And of course it wasn't what I wanted. And it was the first pregnancy and the first delivery. Sometimes the, I think that it's like, if once you've given birth once, it's like the second, third, fourth time your your body kind of remembers, you know, but sometimes the first time, you know, it, it can be hard to understand, especially as the woman giving birth, even what to expect because you've never gone through it before. Okay. So I had Emma, she's nine now and it was rough. It was hard. I mean, I got Pitocin without an epidural and I didn't want an epidural. My water had broken. It'd been over like 36 hours. She hadn't come out. They gave me Pitocin. It was just like a nightmare. Basically they gave me the most amount of Pitocin you can give a woman. I think it was like, I was at 20 Yep. and without an epidural, I tell myself or I tell others, I'm like, it was kind of like Bella in, in twilight where it's like, ah! it was crazy. Literally the worst. It was crazy. Oh my lanta. But anyway, pregnant women, don't worry. You'll be fine. Have <laughs> yeah. the doctor check for a four bag. That's what oh, happened. No. I didn't, I didn't have a fully ruptured. Sure. Brain, so that's why that I wasn't progressing. Okay. So I have Emma again, I'm young. I don't realize even months later that even that birth experience alone was somewhat traumatic. And even a week after Emma was born, uh, it was Christmas Eve. It was at midnight. Cause I remember looking at my phone and she had like laryngomalacia, but I didn't realize it at the time. So she had made a lot of squeaks when she breathed in, it's an underdeveloped windpipe. And so she'd go, <gasps> and it would take her a minute to relieve her breathing. So we called the nurse and she's like, you need to take her to the emergency room. It was midnight on Christmas Eve. And I, you know, my milk's coming in. I'm a, I'm a week postpartum and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, that's when you're going to be very emotional and just really, oh my goodness. So rushed her to the ER. They said, oh, she has a terrible lung infection. And so then ambulance came. It was just this crazy thing. Okay. Main point. I don't want to scare anyone. It ended up being fine. She moved during the x-ray. She didn't have a lung infection. She was perfectly healthy and fine. But the main point of it is this. All of that together, it affected my postpartum time. I didn't know that in that vulnerable time as a new mother is very important to process, to have that support, which I did, but because she was my first, I didn't know what feelings were normal. You know, I didn't know that like feeling really angry or feeling unattached or not being able to stand noise, the noise my baby makes. I didn't know that that was not normal. I mean, I didn't like that part, but I thought, oh, this is what my life's like now. So the story is to say this, (laughs) if you don't feel like yourself, but the version of you with a baby, I always tell people, I'm like, think about how in college you studied all night for the test that you had to take the next day and you were really tired. Think about how you acted. And that was you that was tired. That was tired you, okay? So now when you have a baby, if you're not sleeping well and you're not acting that way, like you're just really tired from when you were in college, you're acting different. That might mean there's a hormone imbalance and you should go see your doctor because if not treated and if not looked at soon, it can escalate. And I'll kind of take a break there because I have a whole other thing I want to say. Actually, I'll say this before I take a break because I know I've been talking for a few minutes. It really is our progesterone. So when we deliver our placenta, 
we're also delivering the progesterone that was like super duper high because of our placenta when we were pregnant. So when, like, if we're not pregnant, our progesterone might get to like 10, 15, 20 in any given cycle. When we're pregnant, it, it can reach up to the upper 100s. And so when you deliver your progesterone, it just tanks, of course. And some women, it's harder that like, you know, on off amount, it's harder to kind of jump back from. It's like the PMS idea, right? Women get PMS before their period. It's when the progesterone drops and they feel crazy. That's what's happening when you deliver your baby, if you're experiencing postpartum depression, but it's way more severe. It's way more of a drop than what you would have with PMS because PMS you're dropping from like 20, 15 ish to like nothing. But with pregnancy, it's like 160, 170 to like literally nothing. So the solution would be progesterone. That's what a woman would need if that's what's causing the postpartum depression, which mostly in PMDD, that would be always be the first line of support. Wow. There we have it. So <laughs> that is fascinating. And what a good comparison. I'm just thinking back to my college days, like studying for my nursing exams. And like I stayed up till two, three in the morning and I was still like wanting to have fun and eat and yeah. laugh. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm so tired, but you can make a joke about it. And when you're postpartum and I mean, I had a very traumatic delivery with my first and I was angry and anxious and didn't want to eat. And, you know, all of those things where it's like, people would just say, oh, well, you're just so tired. You just haven't slept and how unhelpful, <laughs> you know, and what, what power to have to know this and know there's a solution. And instead of telling a mom who's really, really struggling emotionally postpartum, oh, you're just tired. Instead being like, girl, there's help. Like, let's find something because this does not feel good. Like, oh my goodness, that could change so many women. Okay, so just you had mentioned postpartum depression and what is the typical postpartum depression treatment Mm -hmm. and how different is it just giving progesterone? Mm -hmm. What have you seen in women? Yeah. Yep. So the first question is, well, I guess it's a twofer. So I often think about a tightrope. I use this analogy a lot. The doctor I work with uses a plate as the analogy, like noodles on a plate. So if like the noodles on your plate, the noodles symbolize stress and life's demands, you know, if there's so many noodles that it's coming off the plate, you know, how do we keep those noodles on the plate basically is what he says. For me, it's like a tightrope. So the thicker your tightrope, the less likely you'll fall off it, right? You can balance things, the thicker your tightrope is. And so after you have your baby, it's not just a matter of like your, the postpartum depression thing isn't just like an isolated cocktail. I guess that doesn't even make sense. An isolated cocktail. It's not an isolation. It's not just like your coffee, you know, it's more of a cocktail where there's lots of factors that can bring that are brought into the postpartum time. And so an example could be, did this woman experience anxiety before she got pregnant? You know, does she, what's her temperament like? Because women that have that struggle that maybe more, I don't want to generalize. I was going to say more type A. I don't even want to say that. I want to just say more like intense or have kind of that sense to control that kind of, you know, we all know what we mean. I know I can get that way. I was going to so, say, that's me. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. You know, like we want to have reassurance that 
the way I want it to go is the way it's going to be, you know, but with the baby, you don't have that. And so I, I think there's a piece of it that's temperament. There's a piece of it. That's your social support. You know, are you married? Um, if you're not married, do you have someone there who can support you? If you don't, I highly recommend a postpartum doula. If you cannot afford it, I recommend you reach out to your church and ask uh, like a grandma type, like, hey, grandma type, can you come and hold my baby? That would be the highlight of her whole week, month, year, who knows? Truly do not be afraid to ask for social, for that social support, ladies, truly. If you can't afford a postpartum doula, go find a grandma. <laughs> I mean, use your parents, but if they're not close, of course, get the help. So there's the social support. And then there's the, like the hormones, like true. It's like biology. Like I had explained before, there was a ton of progesterone. Now there's not, there's this trauma that can be associated with your birth or even like some, any sort of encounter, a physical encounter in your past. So there can be, it's like I said, it's a cocktail. And so when we think about trying to navigate it, we want to while we know they all work together and create this, our circumstances in a sense, um, we want to like put, pull them apart and see if we can address those things. So in terms of how one would address it, what seems typical is that if a woman does come to her postpartum check, you know, six weeks after postpartum, first off, that's too long to wait. Six weeks is way too long, but the baby is seen in two weeks. And even a few days after the hospital, I normally say women, like you're going to feel goofy the first 10 days to two weeks. And like husband, if I'm talking to husband, husband, just kind of keep watch. Like the first couple of weeks, it's a lot of change. You know, it's cool. We can have baby blues or we can be really elated or whatever. The first 10 days I think is kind of like a wash, but should still be monitored. But it's really after the two weeks, that month, that two month, if she's not bouncing back and kind of like I used the example before, like studying for a finals sort of tired if she seems to be different, the husband really does need to keep watch. Okay. So let's say the gal is at her six week appointment and she's going through the depression screening, postpartum depression screening. There's a postpartum depression screening ladies. Okay. So if you have not given birth, but you're pregnant now, you will be asked questions, which is great. But I was asked those questions and I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Do you feel this? this, this, this? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I passed but I definitely had postpartum depression and it's because one, I was ashamed. B, I don't think those questions are as comprehensive as they should be because a lot of it's like, do you ever feel like harming your baby? Well, I mean, sometimes I would visualize harming my baby, uh -huh. but I didn't like, I knew I wouldn't, but like, it was kind of weird that I had those thoughts, but I well, knew and you wouldn't tell your doctor because you're no. afraid that they would take your baby away. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. why would we admit that? Right. Exactly. You know, and like, you know, there's always justifying in our heads, you know, and again, the first time, second time, ladies, you have a baby, maybe you've had two, three or more babies, you know, now like, oh yeah, that was how I felt. I'm feeling it again. I need to get the help. Okay. So sorry. This is a really long answer to your question. Your question was, like, I think I remember your question. It was like, how do women typically are, how are they typically treated or what would we normally do? Okay. So at that six week appointment, a doctor likely, again, I'm not going to judge all doctors, but if that woman does not pass the depression screening, then she'd likely be prescribed like an antidepressant, you know, like medicine, like a Zoloft or something. And I'm not saying that that's bad, but if the real root of that issue is low progesterone, guess what? 
like if that woman is given progesterone and the way it's administered is it's like the most effective administration, administration, administering, whatever word is I am through the muscle, like at the low back upper glute area, that's the best place to administer. And it's the most effective form of progesterone is a shot. Okay. So there's oral progesterone, there's suppositories up the vagina. That's another form, but the best fastest way. So if you're feeling goofy, the shot, and honestly, in terms of the Creighton way anyway, so even though you don't chart with Creighton, you could still find an Afro doctor and they have a postpartum protocol. Anybody can get that protocol, but it's every other day for 10 days. So it's five shots. That's how long it is. And I remember when I did this with my second no. Yeah. Second baby or my third. I can't remember. Cause I started feeling like, Oh, here it comes. This is it. I know what this is. It only took me four rounds and I felt like it was amazing. Like it was a miracle. And I thought, Oh my gosh, this, my whole experience with my first daughter could have been changed. And I was given Zoloft with my first, cause I didn't have crit and training. Nothing. I mean, this was all new to me. And so anyway, it's crazy. And then also one last thing is find a counselor, like find a good, like aligned therapist, because if you did have any sort of trauma and again, there's no judgment on trauma, it's a micro trauma, it's a trauma, whatever, like process your, your birth story, because Mm -hmm. women want to tell the birth story. They do. We do. We want to say it. We want to say it. If it's well, depending for me, I want to just talk about it. I want to talk about it. It was good. And I want to talk about it when it was hard. I did. And so I feel like there's, that's like God's way of helping us like work through it because we need to process something in order to work through it. Totally. And that's kind of, you know, my kind of focus and passion is reducing that trauma during childbirth, because I know that when trauma was reduced for me, like my first one was, you know, a very traumatic C-section and I felt very out of control. And for somebody who likes to control everything and then you know, the doctor is like totally running my whole birth. And I just felt totally out of control. Like the postpartum depression was so severe and and I felt robbed for that whole first year of my baby's birth. And I, I just hate that that is something that like, it's not an isolated event. Like I'm not the only one who's gone through that. And so for my other two births that were not traumatic, like I didn't have postpartum depression. And so it was just amazing. And I will love that for everybody, but For those who this is a reality to think that progesterone, like five shots of progesterone could really help. Oh my gosh. Why is it not being talked about enough? It's crazy. crazy. I even, my, um, a close friend was really struggling. She lives in a different state. I'm like, listen, just go tell your doctor to give you some progesterone. It's really easy. And the doctor's like, no, I don't recommend that. Cause I had her report back and she didn't end up using it. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, it'll make her tired. And she's already tired. Are I'm you like, kidding? no, no, no. Progesterone <laughs> makes you calm. Like, it's not like you're getting like, oh my gosh, I can hardly make it through my day. It eases you. It's a, it's, it's a sedative. Like it's calming you. But he's like, I'm not, I don't want to make you more tired than you are. Okay. Like, but don't they get birth control at like six weeks? <laughs> yes. Okay. And they do. that's like progesterone. Yeah. And it's yeah. progestin mm-hmm. or like a testosterone mm-hmm. W. Oh Lord of mercy, which isn't mm. even, like just medically, it's not even as effective as the combo pill, but I do not like synthetic hormones. I'm that's just not the name of my jam medical speaking only if someone 
uses progestin, which is a mini pill, it is not nearly as effective. And again, the combo pill is very, very, very risky in terms of taking, that's where like the high blood clots, the breast cancers, all of that, it's because of the synthetic estrogen, but the progestin only is not. So anyway, it's just a bummer because when women are not given options where they can naturally chart their cycle and avoid pregnancy without any of that stuff, you know, it's just kind of a bummer. But sets you up for failure for sure. Like it just like, yeah, your whole women aren't even given the option. Right. No, I'm like, give women the option to not need this. It's like, they assume the sale. So what birth control are you going to be on? Uh Uh-huh. Don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Wow. That is amazing. Man. Well, is there, okay. So I did have another question about postpartum hormones. So your thyroid can really take a hit, right? Which also, you know, affects a lot of hormone issues. I I do know, and I've kind of this trend of women having lower testosterone and that's kind of, I think a lot of women are like, well, I'm a woman, like I have estrogen, like, why is it, you know? So it's kind of an unknown mystery of like, why do women have testosterone and why is that beneficial? So can you talk a little bit about the role of testosterone in a woman? And if it's low, are there any natural ways to bring up testosterone at all? Or what would that look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I always think about estrogen and testosterone being in relate. It's kind of a cute way to think of it, but like being in relationship with one another, like literally in your body. So you can think about like you and your husband, estrogen, testosterone, but actually men have some estrogen and you have some testosterone but they're in relationship to one another. There's a ratio. So like it's a feedback system, just like all hormones, hormones keep our body in homeostasis. The whole goal of all of our hormones is to keep our body in balance. So it's kind of like, you know, you think about a DJ where he's like working the beat at the dance club. I don't know. This is an example. And they (laughs) brings up the bass because like the treble is too such and what, like, you know, it's like this board where they're constantly like, the hormones are constantly adjusting its levels based on the other stuff. So estrogen, there is a, a ratio. So like if estrogen increases, then testosterone or androgens will increase because it needs to be in relationship. So my question would be, and again, I'm not a doctor. I just want to make sure everyone knows that my master's in health. I'm a fertility care practitioner. I love hormones. But I'm not a doctor. So this is from a non-doctor perspective. So if it's like, oh, I'm not so sure about that, then ask your doctor just, you know, to get their opinion. But my question would be, if their testosterone is low, what's their estrogen like? You know, probably it's low. So that's what I would say. But here's the thing as well, that us women, especially these days, need to really keep in mind, and men, but especially women, because of estrogen, there's our biological estrogen that we produce, but then there's also xenoestrogens. And xenoestrogens are false estrogens. They're fake and they're little jerks because I always think about like musical chairs, how, you know, all these little kids are running around a chair and they're trying to get to the seat, right? But the xenoestrogens are like the jerks who take the place where the estrogen should go. And so they're sitting in the spot of the rece- at the receptor site. So instead of a woman feeling like alive and creative, which is how estrogen makes us feel social, attractive, it makes us feel like bloated and like depressed and sad and tired. <laughs> it's like the antithesis. It's like wow. the arch nemesis of estrogen basically is, you know, estrogen. So a woman can have estrogen dominance, 
which means she has more xenoestrogen of that and low of her own estrogen. But guess what? If her body thinks she has a lot of estrogen, it doesn't necessarily know if it's hers or xenoestrogen. So then testosterone meets the match. So then women are more likely to get like PCOS, like grow like, you know, facial hair or hair on other parts of their body, acne, have a hard time losing weight. And that's again, how PCOS kind of can, there's several different forms. It's like a continuum PCOS, like there's a scale, but anyway, that's just a little side note based on that one really simple question. I never really answer questions like with one word. I love it. I love that. And I love all of your analogies. I seriously could talk to you for so much longer because I feel like this is a topic that is just like so huge and so unknown and not talked about enough. So I should have you on again because this is so fascinating. But for now, would you tell my listeners where they can find you, how they can connect and get some more information? Yes, yes. Well, if you, well, I'm sure your people do, your listeners probably are very interested in hormones. Um, listen to my co-host and I, Teresa Kenny. My name is Jamie Rachi, the Hormone Genius Podcast. So please go listen. We talk all things hormones, charting systems. We talk about the gut and its impact on our hormones. We talk about a lot. So check that out. Also, you can check out fiatliving.org, F-I-A-T, living.org. If you are interested in learning about hormones and how to serve other women, I'm actually launching a hormone coaching thing business under the hormone school, which is what I'm starting. I'm starting the hormone school. I'm really excited. So again, if your listeners are interested in learning how to be a hormone coach, they can go to that website, fiatliving.org, and there'll be a pop-up asking if they want to stay on my wait list for more information as it comes out. Wonderful. Well, I love that. Is there anything that you want to leave my listeners with one more token of of knowledge that you have. I know there's so much. Yeah. I would say, you know, people say, Oh, and I believe this, like we trust our body, right? Our body is made so well, so well, but there is no shame in finding a mentor or like a doula for heaven's sakes. Like doulas are so amazing. I would say have a support team, your family. Yes. But even people who are experts in pregnancy and childbirth and that postpartum time. Sometimes our parents or family mean the best, but they don't necessarily always know really the best. And so I would say it's good to have that social emotional support, but it's also important to have that social professional support that are aligned with you. And so that's what I would say is don't be afraid to get connected with some of the experts um, that can truly support you. Oh, so good. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jamie, for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, Allie. Thanks for having me on. Wasn't that episode amazing? Make sure you take a screenshot of this episode, tag Hormone Genius and Empowered Birth Podcast to let us know if you love this conversation as much as we did. Thanks for joining again. We'll see you next time. And of course, stay empowered. Empowered.